You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you're listening in the world. This is Tracy Murda with the Future Tech Podcast. Today, I am very excited to have a very special guest, Eric Rank of uh, Imagine BC. So, Eric, tell us uh, a little bit first, where are you calling in from? Uh, Thanks, Tracy, for having me on. And I'm coming from just outside uh, the nation's capital in Washington, D.C., in a suburb of Maryland called Rockville. Oh, I know that area very well. Beautiful area. Well, thank you so much, Eric. I really appreciate you hopping on this morning. You've got some really cool, that's like the the least way I could describe it, uh, information and program through Imagine BC. I love the way it was described. Um, I've seen it several places in the Imagine BC sort of aims to be the blockchain tech for the You've Got Mail was for the internet. Um, Explain to us. (laughs) First, a little bit about your background, and then we'll hop into a little bit more on Imagine DC. Sure. Uh, actually, my background is kind of varied, but I think the germane points to how Imagine DC came into existence are, first, I'm a technologist, and I've spent the majority of my career writing software in what's known as the HCM space, which is Human Capital Management, Payroll, HR, and Benefits Administration. But uh, <laughs> Imagine DC is as far from that as you can imagine. But uh, the other part of my background is I'm a history major, and I spend a lot of time as a hobby reading and, and, and you know comparing current events to past events. And my two passions come together: writing tech and technology and history. And uh, Imagine BC comes from that on top of blockchain technology. So, what was it? I mean, obviously, you know, blockchain's been around for a while, but not everybody was you know hip to the game and hopped on board. When was it that you really started getting involved in? learning about blockchain and, and sort of what its capabilities could be? Uh, great question. I, I, I was first introduced to it about two years ago by a fellow named John Cronin from BillCoin.com, and it was at a conference mm-hmm. down in D.C., Export-Import Bank Conference. And instead of attending the conferences I, I was supposed to do, John and I spent two days talking about blockchain technology, and he was trying to get through my thick skull just how world-changing this technology could be. But being a gray hair, it's hard to convince me to change very quickly. And I left the conference not more convinced than I had started that the technology was going to be as game-changing as he thought it was. But then I started to do my own research and my own reading. And probably just, you know, three, four months later, I had done a complete 180. And I fully understood what John was trying to get through my head. And I said, wow, the, the ability for blockchain technology and its concept of disintermediating third parties through trusted peer-to-peer commerce truly is game-changing. So 
being a technologist, I said to myself, hey, I got to touch, use, feel this to really get used to it and understand it even more. So I began to try to think how to use that in my HCM business. And if you think about human capital management, think of the personal data that we, we have on an individual. We have their social security number. We have their bank account information, name, obviously, contact information, and even HIPAA, benefit compliant information. So the promise of blockchain is to create this immutable, unhackable, distributable database that could be controlled by individuals. So I said to myself, wow, cool. I can take all this private data that we have in our centralized database that's potentially at risk of being hacked and push it out and let the individual own it and control it, independent of, of me. And then when we needed to use it to either pay them or create a W-2, we ask their permission, as you should. They would, of course, say yes, because we're providing a service for them. And wonderful, I've removed risk, they have control. So that's how we got started on it. Of course, when we realized pretty soon that trying to educate individuals to take control of their personal data and do it through something as kind of dull as payroll was just not going to work. So we, we, we pivoted, not from the control concept, but from what we're going to offer. And instead of offering it through an HCM solution, we created Imagine BC, and instead we're offering the tools and efficiency to individuals to learn to monetize and control their own information rather than the Googles and the Amazons who are doing it today, and you hear about it every day in the news. Eric, I'm just curious as well, since, I mean, you came into the, the blockchain sphere, if you will, uh, you said relatively, you know, not so long ago, two years ago or so. No. Were you part of the rest of us who got swept up in kind of losing sight of what blockchain's potential was and more so were like, oh my gosh, look at this, you know, all the Bitcoin and all the, you know, all of the, the hoopla that we all rode that wave of. Um, or did you stay a little bit more grounded in looking at blockchain and, and cryptocurrencies and things like that as far as like, okay, that's great. We can all make a little coin here, but it's got more potential than just that. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I'd say I, I stayed grounded. That's not to say like everybody else, I didn't download <laughs> Coinbase and buy a couple of coins. <laughs> Check it every five seconds. <laughs> right. Well, and I don't do that anymore, of course, because... Oh, my God, I forgot about Coinbase, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, right. Coinbase, hopefully, will be more downloaded than Coinbase, but really, I mean, Eric, like I anybody else... today, I, maybe I've got a million bucks sitting there. I don't even know. <laughs> Depending on what you boy Bitcoin at, it might be, but I can tell you, I'm not... I'm, 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 I'm hovering around even. That's the best I can say. But, I, you know, I did that because, like anybody, I wanted to get a sense of what it was, but now, I've never been a big proponent of the idea of, of, of a Bitcoin. I am a proponent that eventually one day, of course, the next generation of money will be cryptocurrency, the electronic currency, digital currency. I'm not sure which coin is going to win. It could easily be the United States dollar turning itself into a crypto. So that I got to pretty quick. It, it was the true nature of the peer-to-peer -peer commerce aspect and the ability to secure and control my information. So in that sense, I've always been grounded there. And Imagine BC has never been a crypto play. We always understood that we were using blockchain to secure information and give individuals complete control of their information. It's never been a crypto play. We don't have a coin. Everything within our community moves within US dollars. 
we have a huge advantage there. If you remember, I was an HCM system with a payroll engine. So we have a very good relationship with a bank and we move money very inexpensively. So we can move dollars without great cost. So that gives us a considerable advantage over others trying to get into the game. Okay. Well, let's talk. I really want to get my head wrapped around Imagine BC. Tell me a little bit more about sort of the, the building blocks of what it is, what it can do, uh, and why we should be using it. Yeah, um, obviously we haven't launched yet, but why you should use it in the, in the near future would be, I think the best way to do it is to kind of walk you through at least one, maybe two two examples of how I things operate yep. today and how they could, how they will operate in the future. Yeah, touch so, on to um, where you guys are in the process. Yeah, so uh, for, where we are in the process is we're, we're, we have a four-stage launch that we hope to begin in June. Software is pretty much complete. Just my marketing team is, is doing modifications to the user interface. So we're, we're in pretty good shape for launch in June. The first phase of our launch is really going to be just friends and family, starting to grow our community through our own contacts. And we hope to get to about five to 10,000 members there. And then the second phase, I've got a couple of partners inside the app who can bring commu small communities to the app. So we'll be deploying their, the solution for them first. So that'll get us hopefully up into the 60 to 100,000 user base. And then we'll start to do what's called A-B message testing, testing our messaging against small components of the community contacts that we've uh, collected over the past few months. People are helping us grow the community to make sure our messaging is right to the general user. And then in the fourth phase, we'll, we'll go out to the general user. And, and we have about an inventory of roughly about 20 million people to invite electronically to this. So we're pretty excited that we can hopefully build the community pretty fast. So given that, Here's, here's a real-world example. So, and, of course, it, it requires a large community. So the first example is I was just recently a guy came into my office because he wanted to talk to me more about this. And he's a simple home flipper. I mean, right? He's a real estate guy, works for himself. He buys homes, renovates them, and then flips them for a profit. Very nice individual business. So he came in and said, Eric, look, I'm spending thousands and thousands of dollars on digital advertising with Google, and I'm not getting very much bang for my buck. And not surprisingly, I mean, the, the news says 25% of what's out there digitally is probably fraud anyway. So I wasn't shocked that he was unhappy. And he said, look, I heard about you guys. I want to hear more about you, how you can help my business. So I said, and the guy's name is Bobby. So I said to Bobby, look, Bobby, what if we did your campaign a little differently? What if we started it this way within our ecosystem? I said, the first thing you get to do is you get to use our tool to take a look at our community for free. So you'll put a query in using our population targeting tool that'll say, hey, show me everybody, let's say, in the, you know, within a 40-mile radius of D.C. who makes a certain amount of money and owns a home. Basic criteria that, that even begins to get a lead for you. He goes, yeah, that's about right. I said, great. So you put that in doesn't cost you anything, and you say, let's say we have a 1,000 people come back right now within our community who meet those criteria. So you haven't spent a dime yet to know we've got a 1,000 decent kind of leads for you. I said, now put together a quick survey, five questions that you would know from the answers whether somebody is really a good potential client for you. He said, yeah, I could do that in a heartbeat. I said, great. So you'll put that survey together, and you'll send it out to those 1,000 people, and you'll pay them each a dollar to complete your survey. So our members would get this survey. Those 1,000 members would get the survey. Those that choose to, and hopefully most of them, all of them would, quickly, you know, five questions. You could do it in less than probably 15, 20 seconds. Put the answers down. They make a dollar. And Bobby would get back the responses. So we'll ship them back the responses, but 
our members still remain anonymous because they're always anonymous in our community until they've been paid for their contact information. So we send the responses back to Bobby, and he sees from that there are probably 200 people who answered the way he'd, he'd really like it. So I said, okay, Bobby, at that point, what you'll do is you'll take the ad you were running on Google, and you'll send that back in now just to these 200 people, and you'll pay them another dollar. So these 200 people now make another dollar to watch your ad. These people watch the ad, we collect some response from them about the ad, and we again return that data back to Bobby. Still, our members are anonymous. Bobby doesn't know who any of them are. So he gets those responses back, and he sees out of those 200, there, wow, there's about 20 that are really good responses, and he would love to be able to actually talk with these people to see if they can come to some type of deal. So I said, at that point, Bobby, what you do is you take $50 and you send it out to these people. So now you're $2,200 in, and you've got 20 smoking hot leads. And he really stopped me at that point and said, Eric, stop. You're going to quadruple my business and you know, reduce <laughs> my, my expense at the same time. So Bobby obviously is really happy as a small businessman because he's now got a much more targeted, accurate way to advertise into a community and control over it. And meanwhile, on our members' side, they've been able to monetize their personal information. At least 1000 made a dollar, at least another 200 made $2, and the lucky 20 made $52 out of this by sending, selling their contact informa information to Bobby. So that's the first kind of example that covers how our ecosystem would work. If you guys, I'll take a breath and let you ask any questions about that one, and then I'm, <laughs> I'm willing to give you another kind of interesting one. Well, I mean, I, I don't even think I have any questions about that. That's pretty self-explanatory, but I just, like, tell me another real-world example where okay. I yeah. use it. it here's, another, here's another one. So we, I, I'm, I, I love intellectual property holders, and I'm just devastated by the amount of money that a creator gets to keep from dollars that they mm -hmm. produce. I mean, the, the research that I've done has said that if even you get your intellectual property to market, you typically only make 4 to 13 cents of every dollar that your intellectual, intellectual property produces. And to me, that, that's a crime. <laughs> so in the Imagine BC world, our method is that we wanted you to keep 70%. So here's a real-world example. My son's brother-in-law, his name's Corey. Corey's an expert in an online game, and he uploads his tips and tricks to YouTube. So recently, the game put out a new release. Corey put out his tips and tricks, and about a week after the release, Corey got a million hits on YouTube of his tips and tricks, which is pretty significant. I think even somebody like oh, me yeah. doesn't spend a lot of time on YouTube knows a million hits is significant. Well, YouTube sent him for that million hits a whopping $3,000 check. Now, he, he was obviously very happy about that. I guess he was happy he got anything. But I did the math and tried to calculate what he was compensated for his intellectual property, and it was way less than a penny. So oh, my God. Now let's, right, so now let's turn that over into the Imagine BC world. So now let's say instead of posting to YouTube for free and then hopefully getting a check from YouTube, Corey posts that same content to Imagine BC, and he gets that million hits. But this time, he does something very different. He says, look, I got, I'm going to charge you 25 cents for that. So that's different because the person didn't pay for it before on YouTube. But in our community, where are they going to get the 25 cents from? Well, that's going to be pretty quick. They'll run over to another place inside our mobile application. They'll quickly you know, respond to a survey or, or, or watch a couple of ads, earn the 25 cents pretty quickly, and then use that 25 cents to buy Corey's content. So now let's, so who's the winners here? 
our member really isn't out of pocket except for maybe a little bit of their time to earn the 25 cents. But Corey is a major winner because instead of earning $3,000, he's now earned 70% of $250,000. Oh so that math comes out to be 175000 So he's pretty well set. And, 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 and my dream, my hope for the future is he then starts to think, wow, I can invest this. I can expand my business. I maybe even can start hiring people, right? And we start to create an entirely new sub-economy from within this community, which is going to be necessary if you believe that automation is going to replace a lot of jobs. So that, oh, yeah. that's, that's what we're doing in Imagine BC. And we think everybody wins. So, Eric, let's talk a little bit about the, the blockchain part of it in terms of the security and the safety and how you protect uh, your content. I mean, what, what kind of measures or what is blockchain bringing to the table for that for the listeners who maybe yeah. aren't so familiar with it? Sure. So, so you know, block, again, block, block. I said, I, you know, remember what you quoted at the beginning, hey, the, the, the quote about, you know, to be the you got mail. So what we hope is that our listeners and eventually the members of our community don't have to worry much about it. But what it promises is that you, the individual, will absolutely control your information, that no third party nor even Imagine BC will have any control over the information. Only you will. Only you'll make the decisions on when you want to use it to make money. So without blockchain technology, it would be impossible to make that promise to the individual. We'd be working with one of known as centralized databases, and, and we'd look like Equifax. And if some hacker got through our firewall, we'd be no better than Equifax. All that data would be stolen. Blockchain says that your data is distributed, and it's never lumped in with anybody else's, and then there's the security over actually trying to get to that area where your data is. Now, there are two types of blockchains in the world. There's the public ledgers and there's the private ledgers, the Bitcoins, the Ethereums, all the things that end in coin, they run on public blockchains. And they need to because they have to have the transparency of moving money from one part, party to another. We, on the other hand, we're not moving money. We're not moving digital coins. So we don't need that public transparency, but we do need the security of the distributed nodes. So we've made the decision to deploy on a private blockchain within the Microsoft Azure cloud. And although this will sound like a plug for Microsoft Azure, we could have chosen the Amazon cloud, the Oracle cloud, or you know, of the other clouds that are out there, but we've decided to go with Microsoft Azure cloud. So here's the level of security that our user would have. First, any potential bad guy trying to break into the network to get to a single user's data, your data, would first have to figure out how to break through Microsoft Azure's technology. And then if somehow they were lucky enough to do that, they then have to be able to mount what's called a 51% attack against the distributed network of the blockchain running underneath the Microsoft Azure cloud. So first they'd have to break through Microsoft Azure's cloud, and then they'd have to launch a 51% attack to gain 51% control of all the distributed nodes all before Microsoft figured it out. Now, when I was the first skeptic with, in the early days of blockchain, I said everything was hackable. But that little scenario I just gave to you is extremely unlikely, and there are very, very few entities that would have the computing power to launch such an attack. They would have to be governments, you know, that, that, that type of thing. So it's, you know, there's probably no more secure way to ensure that your data is safe than to have it buried in a distributed blockchain network within one of these cloud computing environments. So Eric, who are some of the other 
uh, brands and, and companies that'll be involved with Imagine BC? Uh, sure, we, we, we've accumulated quite a few partners. Um, one, of, one of the most important is on the technology side. We have a partner called We Are AI, and in fact, John Vigoro, the CEO of We Are AI, we are AI he and I joke that if I had known how important AI technology, artificial intelligence, machine learning would be to our uh, solution, I would have called the company Imagine AI rather than Imagine BC. But We Are AI brings to Imagine BC the expertise to put to automate the use cases that we need to help our members earn money to find the patterns of behavior to increase the likelihood that we can have our members earning money from their personal data, and also the use cases within AI that we need to police the community, to make sure that our members aren't acting in a poor way. It, whenever there's an opportunity, they're always gamesters, and it's our job, Imagine PC's job, to find those gamesters. So We Are AI has helped us in that, in that respect, and they've done it in a very cost-efficient manner. It's been a really good partnership. Additionally, we have uh, a relationship with an outfit out of uh, California called Syntonic. A, they do a behavioral science financial assessment, and I took it myself, and I was so impressed by the results of how well it captured my financial acumen and risk-taking nature mm -hmm. that I said, wow, we definitely have to partner with these guys. So we offer that capability to you get that assessment for yourself through our software. But as importantly, that type of data is so valuable to third parties. We ran it across our own, our own banking partner and said, hey, even on an uh, you know on an anonymous basis, would you like to have access to this type of data? And they were, are you kidding? Of course. So there's huge money making opportunities for members who take that assessment or are willing to participate in things that may come their way from their data being aggregated in an anonymous fashion. So wonderful partner there on the financial side. And then we have a couple partners on the health side. We've got a partner called HealthWiz has already solved technically the problem of storing your medical records securely on the blockchain. So it saves us ever having to think about doing that ourselves. So all, all of our members will have access to the HealthWiz application and the ability to start to secure and control their private medical record information. And then we have a partner called AGS Health out of Phoenix, and they're providing genetic information. So from their genetic test, they're giving genetic information back to us. So, and again, it's not for us to make money on this data. It's for us to use this data with our, use, our members' permission to help them make money from it. And, and if you, I mean, you must know the story of 23andMe, right? So you have all these people who paid 23andMe to do this DNA test on them to find out their ancestry. And then 23andMe turns around and sells that data to GlaxoSmithKline for $400 million, which by our math turned out to be $1,000 a person. So first they charge you for the test, and then they sell your data for $1,000. And again, wow. <laughs> just, that's just a wow. That can't happen. So yes, we have a genetic partner because, yes, there's value to that data, but our job is to create that $1,000 value for our members. So it's those type of partners have. And then we have a, a, a great partner on the education side called Petivo that will help you mm -hmm. plot out educational paths for yourself or your children, you know, you can kind of pick, this is the career I'm interested in. They'll help you identify the correct path using their AI module that you should follow to ensure or increase the likelihood you can have a career in that profession. And then one of the fascinating things we've found in this endeavor is as we talk to more people and we start to bring in more partners, it's the cross-pollination 
uh, of, the, of the services. So take Pastivo and their education capability. I thought it was incredible because I'm thinking, wow, you know, I can get my kid along my path and I see gaps are there. Then, what, then I can help close the gap by maybe going back into the community and finding somebody who's qualified to tutor my child to help close the gap because maybe they're fa falling behind in algebra. So then I was off talking to another partner of ours, a company called BHS. They're in the social wellness behavioral health field. And I, was, I said exactly that. You know, they could fill the gap and find out they're behind in algebra and use our community. And then the owner of the company, Dawn, says to me, Eric, the problem with the child may not be that they're falling behind in math because their math skills are bad. The problem could be that the child's being bullied at school. And it was like a wow moment for me. <laughs> she goes, and that's what will help. We can help bring the expertise to help that parent close the gap from that side. And, and that's what we're bringing. So not just the ability for individuals to control and monetize their personal information, but it's the power of numbers and community that can help bring these incredible services at a cost-efficient basis to so many people. In, in the news recently, we read about the Laurie Laughlin situation. And, and putting that aside, the, the, right, the argument is about how the rich have the advantage to education. But through a partner like Placebo, imagine BC is hoping we can level the playing field. And if you don't have the money in your wallet to pay for Placebo, we're going to hopefully create those money-making opportunities from your personal data. So now you can. So you see how the entire ecosystem begins to play together. It's members working together peer-to-peer, -to -peer, bypassing third parties, and better use, utilizing resources. Eric, is there anyone else out there doing something like this? Uh, I, I'm asked that question by virtually everybody. My answer is it, I'd be hard-pressed to tell you no, right? That would just be hubris on my part. I don't know if there's somebody out there doing this in their garage. I do know there's nobody out there talking about it. So, I mean, I've spoken with a number of very, you know, high-powered third parties, people like Grant Thornton. They've not seen anybody doing what we're doing regarding kind of the horizontal approach to helping the community. There are lots of people designing really great solutions in blockchain, but I think you, you kind of intimated at the beginning that the problem is they got caught up in the ICO mania, uh -huh. and, and, they're too stuck, and they're too stuck to using a coin as their currency, most likely because they don't have a banking relationship like I do. So what we're hoping is that because we're taking more of a horizontal approach, we would love to be able to talk to these people and plug their services in as vertical services to our community. We don't think we're competing with any of these other blockchain developments. We're, you know, a solution for them. I guess the one that came up the most recently is I got some emails about, you know, there's a lot of press just the other day about Brave and the browser that's helping you secure mm -hmm. your data and block ads. Yeah, but, I, you know, my first thing, I thought the browser wars died in the 90s. So how many people want to use a new browser? And if you really read the, the, the fine print, they're not saying they're not going to sell your data. And they're rewarding you again with some different currency, not like something you could just go to Starbucks and buy a cup of coffee with. You're <laughs> Rewards are dollars. Either give me a gift card or something, something I can really spend. So, you know, I applaud the approach. It's probably the closest thing, but it's a much more narrower solution than ours. Tell me a little bit more about your your team and, you know, kind of the, the background support system that you have and who's, who's working with you and on all of this stuff. Yeah, interestingly enough, Imagine PC is a new wave company because if you ask how many W-2 employees we have, I tell you we don't have any. <laughs> So on occasion, we, we, 
on occasion we use some resources from the you know our HCM company, which is funding this by the way right now. It's being funded by that that HCM company, but we have a team that on any given day there are probably 65 people working on it, depending on what the tasks of that day happen to be. So on the development side, we've got a tremendous team uh, uh, there of which the WRA guys who I've already spoken about are part of it. We do use an offshore group called Harbinger to do our development. We do all the specification work ourselves, but they do all the actual technical development. And I went with them because I'd had a long relationship with them in my HCM days, and I knew that they were already ahead of the curve on doing blockchain development. So it was a natural fit for me to go and use them. And then we've got a couple of other partners. We've got a company called A Rep Checks out of Chicago who helps us do automated reference checking of resumes. So we have a, a, a job search staffing component, which is not as important as the overall ecosystem. But think about the ability to have a verified job title and all verified job titles to when somebody wants to come in the community and, and market to whatever, you know, <laughs> and, and to know that, that that job title that's showed up has been verified. It's a very powerful weapon that we get to add to our arsenal by our relationship with AREPCHECKS. So we have a very full development team, all of third parties, all who have up end, you know, back end of seeing this uh, ecosystem get off the ground. The marketing team is run by a group out of Chicago called Hackless, who uh, it, without them, I can't imagine where I'd be. I'm not a marketing expert, and because they watch over all the other resources on a day-to-day basis, then, you know, it gives, frees me up to do other, other as important things as the marketing. So they want, they act as our chief marketing officer, and, and they're over a group out of Chicago, our advertising agency called M who's done some beautifully creative work for our website and also within our application itself. And Bill Bronner, our public relations uh, resource, who got me this interview with you today, is doing some spectacular work, including setting us up for a PBS documentary that we'll be taping next Tuesday that will hopefully get our message out to many millions of households. Awesome. And then we have the next two groups were very, very important and are kind of fun to talk about. One, one's TrainSmart. It's an education training group out of Chicago. So the challenge we had, if you remember back at the beginning of the interview, was we have to really help people understand how important it is for them to monetize their personal information. They've been so used to giving it away for nothing. And in the early days, when you gave away your personal information because you got a free email system, that, that, okay, you can say there's real value. So thank you, Google, right? You gave me Gmail and it was free, <laughs> but, right? But, but now think what Google's doing with Gmail, right? They're reading our mail. Now they're trying to write it for us. And I'm not sure I've gotten much more of an incremental improvement in my life. So they've gone way ahead on their side without really improving on ours. So yes, in the early days, I'd say there was probably some initial value to giving up personal information, but we're past that now. So now we have to educate people to rein that in. So you can see it's an education aspect. So we, we hired the train smart folks to bring that expertise into our app to make it fun and gamify the concept of learning how important it is to get control of this data and hopefully make a couple of dollars off of it. And then the other group is an outfit out of New York, but they have people all over the country called Ipsos. And their behavioral science, and I don't know if you're familiar with behavioral science or if your readers are, behavioral science in in its essence is like everybody kind of knows that when there's a closed cookie jar and it says free, nobody takes the first cookie. But as soon as somebody takes a cookie, everybody else will go get a cookie. So behavioral science is the study of why we as people act in an irrational manner. Why did we go get the cookie after somebody did? It was still free, right? So 
they're, they're experts and they're all PhDs in that kind of science. So I've been fascinated by it for a long time. And since we're now taking an application out to the masses, everybody, I felt, hey, we should have a behavioral science look at how our application is behaving. So as a, as a quick example, we showed them our settings screen. And on the settings screen, there's a, there was an empty box that said, please enter the amount of money you'd like to earn when some company wants to speak to you for interviewing you for a job. And, and that sounded great. So, but the behavioral science folks looked at this said, and they said, you're dead. And I go, what do you mean you're, you're dead? He, they said, that empty box is gonna make your user wonder what their self-worth is. They're gonna ponder about that. And then the response is gonna be, this app is too hard to use. And that's it. <laughs> so you never want the user saying it's too hard to use. So they said, put a number in there. It really doesn't even matter what number. You want it to be as good as possible, but put a number in there because the human brain will say, oh, no, that's too low. I'm worth more, or that's a perfect number, and I'll leave it. But you won't get the, this is too hard to use. So we have this group going through the entire application looking for other type of pitfalls that we, you know, novices in this world would never know. So they've been a fascinating group to work with, and we, we and obviously add incredible value to our application. So that's that team, and then I, we've kind of already talked about our partners who are working to help integrate their products into our system already. So, you know, as I said, on any given day, we probably have at least 65 people working on this as we move towards launch. Eric, tell me a little bit more about the roadmap as far as layout of the future plans here of Imagine BC. I know we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but, you know, we already are into May of 2019, right? Yeah, so so I, I, mean, I talked about the launch. So clearly, we're all focused yeah. on launch and building the community. Of course. And community, community builds the most important thing. Then, of course, it's creating the opportunities for users to start to monetize their data. So we're already starting to work the Bobbies from my previous example and the Corys of the world in, as well as some others. I mean, just last week, I started to have some calls with some folks out on the West Coast in the, in the world of Hollywood and, and the power that they can bring to our community is, is tremendous. Now, we're the early stages, but if we can get some of those done, then I think opportunities are going to exist galore through that launch period. The big thing for us after launch, and the thing we want to get out certainly by no later than the beginning of next year, is what we'll call the Imaginarium. And that will be the area where our members will go to experience all types, types of content. And that's where the intellectual property holders will upload their content. So imagine the Imaginarium, imagine. So the Imaginarium will consist of like a main street. You'll be able to walk down that into a bookstore or into a record store. And from there, you can see our members who are loading their content up. And there'll be an auditorium where I might be able to watch a show put on or uh, I've got, we're talking to folks with tech duels, you know, see those types of podcasts going on. And then there'll be a newsstand because I truly believe that by bringing in a set of editors and writers and, and weaponizing them to do investigative journalism within this secure environment and properly compensating them for work can change the fourth estate. It, it scares me how Americans are beginning to lose faith in, in our government, our country, and, and in the press that's supposed to keep watch on that. So there'll be a newsstand. And, and then there'll be an arcade. There, you know, people can upload games. Uh, we were talking about crossword puzzle creators. So think intellectual property, and I can upload a crossword puzzle, and people can buy it from me, and I'll, be, I'll make lots more than I can get paid by the New York Times for one of my crossword puzzles to be used. So that's the key for us is to get this Imaginarium built and up and provide this place for our, our members to consume and also to load content 
and start to do that peer-to-peer commerce. Absolutely. And it makes perfect sense. And we are all deserving of such credit, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's, what is fascinating, Tracy, is that people don't even know that the intellectual property they have. And when you start talking with them, they start to say, oh, you know, I, I could provide value, right? And, and, and again, it, you know, that's what Imagine DC is about. In a world where many jobs may be disappearing, we think that through Imagine BC, people can bring out other value they have rather than what their job was and still earn money, which is gonna be very critical to our future. And even if you're not a creator, this is another great example. Even if you're not a creator, you still have an asset called your time and your time is valuable to people. And I hate to pick on Google, but they're, all, they're everywhere. So here's an example. I think right? they can so, handle it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they can. So, you know, here's an example that, you know, so my son's, my younger son's roommate tells him that Google called him up and asked him to walk down the street and take a picture of a help wanted sign in the store. And they paid him a bunch of money for this. And I'm thinking to myself, if they paid him a bunch of money, I can't imagine how valuable that data is to Google. But really what Google paid my son's roommate for was his time, his location and his time. So how many more opportunities will be there like that? Going back to journalism, I might need fact-checking so I can have an army of resources to do fact-checking for me. So, so I might be displaced from one area, but it always opens up new areas as long as there are people willing to create those opportunities. And Imagine BC hopes to be a place for that. Awesome. Eric, thank you so much for uh, you know, sitting down with us and sharing this incredible information. If people would like more information or to get involved, what's the best way to reach out to y'all? Uh, go to our website, www.imaginebc.net, and probably the best thing to do is take a look at the story, which you probably just heard, but more importantly, sign up for our telegram right now and start communicate, communicating with for us, and then, you know, as I said, we've got 20 million invites out there. Many of your, many of your listeners may already be getting, you know, getting an invite here coming in the next few months, so download, register, and let's do something wonderful together. Excellent. Thank you so much, Eric. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks, Tracy. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you.